Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org. We're going to hear a passage of scripture today. I'm going to give you a little bit of intro to it. This is in Acts, and Peter has just had a vision that all the foods that had normally been restricted to him as a Jew were put before him, and he was told that they are fine for him to eat. And he is dealing with that vision as we pick up here in Acts uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 19. While Peter was brooding over the vision, the spirit interrupted him. Look, three people are looking for you. Go downstairs. Don't ask questions, just go with them because I have sent them. So Peter went downstairs and told them, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? They replied, we've come on behalf of Cornelius, a centurion and a righteous man, a God worshiper who is well respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel directed him to summon you to his house and to hear what you have to say. Peter invited them into the house as his guests. The next day he got up and went with them together with some of the believers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Anticipating their arrival, Cornelius had gathered his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in order to honor him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Get up, like you, I'm just a human. As they continued to talk, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You all realize that it is forbidden for a Jew to associate or visit with outsiders. However, God has shown me that I should never call a person impure or unclean. For this reason, when you sent for me, I came without objection. I want to know then why you sent for me. Cornelius answered, four days ago at this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, I was praying at home. Suddenly a man in radiant clothing stood before me. He said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and your compassionate acts are like a memorial offering to him. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and summon Simon, who is known as Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, located near the seacoast. I sent for you right away, and you were kind enough to come. Now here we are, gathered in the presence of God, to listen to everything the Lord has directed you to say. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the message of peace he sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism John preached. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit and endowed with power. Jesus traveled around doing good and healing everyone oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and allowed him to be seen, not by everyone, but by us. We are witnesses whom God chose beforehand, who ate and drank with him after God raised him from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. 
They heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Peter asked, These people have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? He directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited Peter to stay for several days. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that you might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a little boy. A little boy who lived a very Aussie and Harriet, leave it to Beaver, 1950s existence. Which is good, because it was the 1950s. He had a father who was a dean at the local college, and a mother who stayed home and raised him and his brother and his sister. And they could count on things each week. That Sunday morning they would be in church and every night dinner would be on the table when his dad got home from work. Every night except the night his dad didn't come home. For he was killed in a car wreck with a drunk driver. And then their 1950s existence turned upside down and suddenly they had a mother struggling to pay bills and make way, raising three children. In those first days, the church had shown up beautifully, had brought meals, had brought comfort, had brought prayers. But as the days wore on, things got more awkward. The church, who preached that they were to care for widows and orphans, didn't really know how to integrate widows and orphans. And so, things became more awkward, and there were more and more Sundays where they didn't go to church, and more and more Sundays where the little boy no longer felt welcome in that place that had been his home. On the other side of town was a little girl, on the proverbial other side of the tracks. This little girl was not raised in a very 1950s existence, at least not the way they like to talk about the 1950s. For she was raised by two bootleggers who were in and out of prison. And so she was in and out of foster care. And the church really had no place for her. All they had for her was judgment. She had no welcome there. By a strange twist of fate, these two grew into a young man and young woman who fell in love. They would have a lot to figure out because they had very different upbringings. But one thing they agreed upon as they had their own children was that they would not raise their children in the church. They also agreed that they would raise their children to think for themselves, to find their own path, and to find their joy. And so they had a boy and a girl. And the boy was fine to do something else on Sunday than go to church. But the girl was curious. She longed for God. She wanted to connect with God, even if she wondered if there was welcome for her at the church. And since she was a child in the 80s and 90s and growing up in the Bible Belt South, boy, so many people saw her as their project and invited her to church. Everyone wanted to get her saved. So she knew the drill when she went to church. She knew how to read the bulletin. She knew how to say the words. She also knew when it came time for that special meal that she was to pass it past her because she was not baptized and she was not a member of the church. 
And that's the way it worked with everyone she went to church with, except one. Her ninth grade boyfriend, well, they were boyfriend and girlfriend for one month in ninth grade. And in that one month, Paul invited her to church. And she was all set to go, and then for whatever reason, she called him the night before and told him no. And then shortly after that, she broke up with him. But he kept inviting her. He kept inviting her, and she kept saying yes, and then calling right before they were supposed to leave and saying no. Until finally she just ran out of excuses, and she said, well, I've never been to the Methodist church. I've been to every other church. I've never been to the Methodist. I should just go. And so she called him and said, all right, I will go. It happened to be a communion Sunday. She knew the drill. She thought she knew the drill. Except Paul leaned over to her and said, you can have communion here. My friends, I cannot tell you how startled I was to hear those words from Paul. How shocked I was because every other place I had been, I was excluded from that table. And here he said to me, you can have communion here. I responded by saying, no, I can't. I'm not baptized. I'm not a member. And he said, that doesn't matter here. There will be no judgment on you if you stay in your seat, but you are welcome at this table. Now, honestly, I thought Paul was lying. And so I didn't take communion that day. But I did think, if he's not lying, I might be a Methodist. God's hospitality is startling. When I came to this passage this week and I looked at it, I noticed that the word guest shows up a couple of times. And it was a word that made me curious. So I went to the Greek and I looked it up. And the Greek word is senizo. And it means to welcome a stranger. But it also means to startle or bewilder. Now, isn't that interesting? The same word means welcome a stranger and startle or bewilder. And I think that actually really fits for how we might understand welcoming a stranger. Whenever I would teach about ancient hospitality, it was always so foreign to my students. I taught world literature in several community colleges, and I would always teach the Odyssey. And the Odyssey is a wonderful book to look at the contrast of hospitality. Uh, Because you have the Cyclops who eats his guests, and, and then you have kingdoms that that take Odysseus in and and feed him and clothe him for months and then send him off with a third of the wealth of their kingdom. Because that was actually the hospitality that people were called to in the ancient world. There wasn't holiday inn. They couldn't just stop anywhere. If you were going to travel, someone had to take you in. You had to be the recipient of the hospitality of strangers all along the way. And that, I think, for us is startling because it's so different when we wouldn't even open our doors if our neighbors knocked on the door. But the hospitality that God is calling people to in this story is startling to everyone. It does not matter if they were used to ancient hospitality or not. Everyone is shocked by this. And I think they're shocked because God is breaking down long-held barriers that honestly, God helped put in place. 
It was God that, that sectioned the Jews off to be a distinct people that gave them these regulations that made them different from others, that made it hard for people to come to the same table. It was God that put those in place in the first place. And then here is God saying, eh, never mind. Never mind. And we have in this moment what is called the Pentecost of the Gentiles. We talk about Pentecost in Acts 2 when, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. But in this case, the Holy Spirit is being poured down on everybody. It doesn't matter if they've been baptized. It doesn't matter. They've just received the word and here we go. Now the Holy Spirit is pouring down upon you and we got to play catch up now and baptize you afterwards. This is so shocking. This is so startling. This is so bewildering for God to be this hospitable. But you know what? Methodists should get it. Methodists should understand this hospitality because it reflects our understanding of grace. We believe that it does not matter who you are. God's grace is active in your life. Whether you have accepted Jesus Christ or not, God's loving presence surrounds you. God is calling out to you. God is seeking a relationship with you. It does not matter who you are. And we live that out in how we understand the table and how we practice the table. We do not restrict anyone from coming to this table because they might encounter God here. They might know God's grace here. Why would we keep anyone from that table? And it is because of that that I am so excited to be serving this congregation. This congregation that has recently discerned putting forth a welcoming statement. And it's pretty bold. And I understand that there was some struggle around it, and I get it. It's startling. It is unusual in this day and age, in a time when we're told to divide, to take up your labels and go to opposite sides of the room. It is startling to say, nope, come together come together. And it is even startling in our own denomination. I was thinking about that in light of all that we're arguing about in our denomination right now. At first I thought we're, we're in the midst of an identity crisis. We've just forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we are the people of open table. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, actually what is happening is we're trying to live into that identity because we have two sides that have divided and we're trying to hold them together. We're trying to say, please, all of you stay at the table. And it's hard. It's so hard and painful. But that full table is who we are. You know, in the midst of all that's going on, sometimes pastors get asked, what, what would it take for you to leave the Methodist church? And I'll tell you, I have an answer to that. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that would drive me from the Methodist church. And that's if we close the table. 
if we close the table, if we start saying there are restrictions to who can have this meal, then I'm all, I'm gone. Because as soon as we close this table, there's no room for my grandparents. As soon as we close this table, there's no room for my parents. As soon as we close this table, there's no room for me. And maybe some of you have felt that way as well. Because the truth of the matter is, we will have forgotten who we are if we have closed off this table. All are welcome at this table because all are welcome in God's house. So I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jew or Greek. I don't care if you're slave or free. I don't care if you're male or female. You are welcome at this table. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. You are welcome at this table. I don't care if you're straight or LGBTQIA+. You are welcome at this table. I don't care if you're rich or you're poor. If you're tall or you're short, you're welcome at this table. I don't care if you're documented or undocumented, you are welcome at this table. I don't care who you are because God doesn't care who you are. God does not show partiality to anyone. All are welcome at this table. And all are welcome in this house. This is God's house. It's not our house. This is God's house. And we are all guests in God's house. Now here's the interesting thing about being guests in God's house. We are guests who are called to host. Which is interesting, that's what happens in this passage. Did you see that Simon Peter was a guest at Simon the Tanner's house? And when Cornelius' people showed up, he welcomed them in as his guest, in not his house. That is the work that God calls us to. We are guests in God's house who are called to host in God's house, which means that when we are welcomed in, we accept that invitation, and then we turn around, and whoever's coming in behind us, whoever is coming in behind us, we say, you are welcome. You are welcome. Last Sunday... There was a gentleman at the back. I had finished greeting people and, and someone grabbed me and said, this gentleman wants to speak to you. And it was a, a fairly usual request on Sunday morning. I've had these more often than not. Um, the person just came in and said, sorry, I missed service. I just came by. I, I'm, I need gas. And I got the whole story of why he needs the gas to get to the next place that he is. I don't know the rules for this house yet. I have not been here long enough. I don't know what benevolence we've got. I don't know any of that stuff. But here's what I do know. I do know that I am a host in this house, and I am called to extend some level of hospitality. So usually on Sunday morning, I have a few dollars in my pocket in case this sort of thing happens because I want people to know that they were welcomed here, and I want them sent on with some sign of hospitality. So I said, I, I have a few dollars. I'll give you a few dollars. But before you go, I want to pray with you. So I, he shared a little bit of his story and we prayed. And then his response to my prayer was this. He said, uh, I get thrown out of churches all the time. I get thrown out because I'm, I'm kind of dirty and I don't dress right. He had jeans on. They had a chain hanging off of him. 
He said, and oh, and as he looked down, he covered his chest where he had a Confederate flag. And he said, I know I'm, I've got this Confederate flag on. I'm not supposed to be here. And I took his hand and I said, you're going to walk outside this church. And on several places around this church, you're going to see a banner that says, all are welcome. All are welcome. You are welcome. All are welcome. We mean it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.